Welcome to Table 86, a podcast centered on creatives of color who are transforming the landscape of the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Geo Darwin. Let's take a seat. It may come as no surprise that equitable representation is a large issue across the food and beverage industry. And with recent events bringing this problem to the forefront, creatives of color are demanding that companies address these disparities. That's why it was so necessary to be joined by international brand strategist and blogging expert, Jasmine Lukuku. Jasmine is the founder of the Black Food Bloggers Club, an online platform where Black food bloggers can share resources and support each other in a safe space. In this episode, we get to know a little more about Jasmine, the need she saw for this platform, and why she's made it her mission to drive initiatives that uplift Black creatives. I am so excited to connect with you again, Jasmine. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So I know you act as an extra and had some roles in in a bunch of different television shows, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So I was watching a little show called Motherland Fort Salem. And it actually came recommended by another Black food blogger who was at the Black food bloggers retreat. He was like, you should watch it. I saw Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like episode six, maybe. I, I don't remember what yeah. episode it was. Um, it's funny because it, I haven't seen it yet. So you got me beat. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, well, I missed you the first time. And so mm-hmm. I went back and looked at it a second time. And I was like, oh, there she goes. Um So that was really cool. I was like, I know her. I had like a little fanboy moment. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And I will say, I don't, um, I have to audition for those things too. It's not, I I don't do extra work so much, but I do a lot of like one to five liners on shows. And so you actually, yeah, you have to go through the whole shebang, even though they're going to see you for two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because if I blinked, I would have missed you. But then I was like, oh, yes, 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 I see her. So you still have to go through a rigorous audition process for that, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty strange, but I live in a good city for it. Vancouver has got a great film city. So it's, um, it's about actually half of my income comes from doing work like that, which is kind of cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Awesome. And so yeah. you're in Vancouver now, but where are you mm-hmm. originally from? Um, I was born in Zambia. Wow. <laughs> so uh, for those who don't know, that is a country in the Southern part of Africa, uh, very close to Zimbabwe. Um, yeah. Closer to South Africa, that kind okay. of area. But I left there when I was two years old. And so I've lived in British Columbia. So that's um, the province where Vancouver is. So I've lived in various parts of British Columbia Okay. for most of my life. My mom is Canadian. So okay. um, when we came to Canada, it was my, we came back kind of to Canada. Although my dad is Zambian, he had studied forestry and so was able Which to come great to Canada. Canada. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, got really lots great. of forests. <laughs> right, lots of them. <laughs> So for people who don't know, I, I believe that uh, my geography sometimes is off, but Vancouver mm-hmm. is on the west side of Canada. Yeah. So we're just, if you were driving from Seattle, you'd, it would take about three hours by car. So north okay. um, of Seattle. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's quite, if you know, kind of the climate of Seattle and like the lifestyle of Seattle, we're very similar. Vancouver, they're kind of parallel cities. It's a very similar city. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of seafood. Yeah, lots of coffee, you know. Seafood, <laughs> seafood. coffee. Yeah, rain. <laughs> yeah. So, so all around, like the Canadian, uh, so like Seattle's Canadian cousin. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, 
you do a bunch of different work. We, we, mm-hmm. we talked about the acting and we can talk about that a little more, but uh, first and foremost, you do a lot of consulting um, mm-hmm. in the marketing space, correct? Yes, absolutely. And so tell me a little bit about how you got into that and like what your specialty areas are. Sure. So um, if we go way back in time to after I finished high school, I studied fashion merchandising and marketing um, and held various jobs in the fashion industry from everything from, you know, high end retail to eventually getting into wholesale of um, apparel. So okay. um, being like, you know, at a place that manufactured clothes and doing sales and Mm. things like that. And, you know, um, I just, I learned a lot of kind of the marketing skills in school, but also just kind of on the job throughout the years. Um, And eventually uh, I ended up moving into the world of education, but I wasn't teaching. I was doing kind of recruiting for private colleges that taught things like fashion. They taught, um, video game production, things like that. So creative careers. And I always really loved helping young people kind of get into creative careers, but I had some conflicts with um, working in the private college space because it's so expensive and uh-huh. people don't yeah, make definitely. it. They get these huge student <laughs> loans. And it's just like, I just had some ethical issues with the industry. So Fair. I, yeah. So what ended up happening is I ended up taking a stress leave at the time, my boyfriend was working retail, but he's an artist and um, an illustrator. And, you know, it kind of occurred to me that if we combined our skill sets, because I had the background in like marketing and understanding um, sales and uh, all of that, and he had this, all this technical design and, you know, visual sense that if we combined our skill sets that we could probably you know, work together Mm -hmm. and create a little creative agency. But I was also um, learning about food blogging through. (laughs) Yeah, just because I was like interested, like, you know, it was like early days kind of like of Instagram, you know. Yeah, so it was like like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, something like that. And I was just like, I had actually just got like a Vitamix and I was super excited about it. And I was like making a lot of smoothies and, you know, (laughs) and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I'll just share what I'm making. And, you know, you start getting good feedback on your photos and then you're like, okay, well, maybe I should put this on a blog. Maybe I should pursue this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it kind of just happened organically while I was on this leave of absence. Then I just found, um, a website for the company called Food Blogger Pro. I've heard of and, them, yes. Yeah, and so they, through them, they had a lot of online courses that you could learn how to like build websites and like just, you know, like how to improve your food photography, all of the kind of technical stuff that I needed to know and kind of like a crash course on everything I needed to know mm, about mm-hmm. food blogging. So I really got into it and um, started a blog called The Blenderist because of all the blender related recipes I was making. So at starting that with time. the Vitamix and now it's, I, that I never knew The Blenderist was titled yeah, after that. That's really, that's, that's really where cool. where it came from. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I mean, that blog is kind of dormant at this point. Um, mm-hmm. it, I leave it because sometimes there's recipes on there that people really like that they're kind of loyal to and I don't want to like take it off the internet right now. Absolutely. I, I'm going to simplify it and pare it down because I'm not updating it. So it doesn't need to be this big thing anymore. But um, the, the thing that's interesting about that is that as I was learning about blogging, 
I feel like it's, it was a bit of a Trojan horse for me because the blogging, it came in like looking like, oh, this is blogging. But what I really learned was like that I like to build websites and I like marketing side of things and I like uh, knowing okay. about how to do all of the, Yeah. And so it really empowered me and my skill set to the point where now I'm able to actually, you know, charge and consult people on like that side of things. What would you say were the biggest hurdles for you as you were kind of tran- evolving as a creative, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. transitioning into these different spaces? Right. Um, I guess the first thing is like getting people to kind of trust you, like as far as like if they're going to hire you as a creative, if you don't, didn't have a lot of client work. So we were fortunate enough to have lots of um, just like friends who were starting businesses and things at the time that were able to like give us kind of our first shot so like uh, portfolio material yeah yeah so it's like your network is your net worth <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so it started kind of with that I mean that was like kind of one of the biggest hurdles was yeah just believing that we were worth paying for you know um because we didn't come from like an agency background where like a lot of people who start their own creative agencies worked at other agencies before right. or have you know that kind of thing so we had to like kind of get over the hump of our own self-consciousness about mm-hmm. that um and then like more technical stuff um you know like there's just like personal resistances i had to um like learning different skills like oh you know like we when we originally started we didn't think we were going to do a lot of websites we were more like oh we're going to do branding logos stuff like that but in the end a lot of people wanted to pay us to do their website as well as part of the package so you know we had to learn more advanced skills because there are certain things that like you know clients will expect that maybe you wouldn't do for your own personal website like it's a little bit deeper um skill set so yeah just like kind of learning a bit more more about like custom like coding things and just like you know just I you just think like that's beyond you but really if you just take the time and and ease into it you can really learn and get there so yeah just getting over my own limitations was really my big big struggle and I think that's true for most people oh I would agree um, <laughs> yeah no matter you know did, I think, you know, my background's like behavioral science um, Mm -hmm. originally, and now I'm a senior marketing manager in like the telecommunications industry. Mm -hmm. But I I, I say this often on the podcast, like, you know, it's funny how many skills are commutable to different industries. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I'm curious when you think about specifically, you know, the recruiting job or even, you know, merchandising and working in fashion, like Mm -hmm. how has that applied to even like your work in food blogging or helping right. like, you know, branding and, and marketing. Right. Well, I think like a lot of like the sales part is kind of communicating like advantages, benefits, things that, you know, why would somebody want to do something? And I think that kind of skill set um, comes in really handy with the side of uh, the design business because we're often having to like just communicate ideas sell people on concepts um but also explain things simply like and I think that's what my skill set 
really came from working in fashion marketing and also working with admissions was just like breaking things down for people, painting a picture for people so that they can see in their head what the final product's going to be, how that's going to be a benefit to them. And like all of that stuff just transitions from industry to industry because yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a sales background, but you know, if you can sell like a widget, like whatever, you can sell an airplane, you just have to you know, know how yeah. to relate to people, <laughs> hear what they're looking for, you know, all of that stuff. And then also the visual sense with the fashion stuff. Um, I think it's my yeah. taste level is par- partially what people are paying for because you can be as technically skilled as you want. But if your taste level, if you, if you aren't able to kind of trend spot. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or actually be able to interpret the needs because not every client is trendy or, you know, some clients are more conservative, but you have to be able to like know what they're messaging and what style of communication and who they're trying to reach and actually like play to their strengths within um, a structure that feels contemporary, but maybe not like necessarily the hot new graphic design trend is not going to be appropriate for the, you know, insurance broker. Yeah. So So my skills are observation and translation. (laughs) So Um, it's, it's funny you say that because I I often tell that to people um, mm -hmm. similar to myself, I think maybe it is because we're both Capricorns. Um, I I think, I think very similar to you, (laughs) Uh, but uh, it is about communicating that message and it's, um, I always say like, you know, a good consultant, a good salesperson is focused on the individual and, and mm. what they want to bring to life, or in your case, the business owners and what they want to bring to life. Uh, Absolutely. Not necessarily, you kind of have to get out of your own way about the vision you see. And it's really how mm-hmm. you bring their vision to life. Absolutely. And that's like, you will find clients who want more of you in the work, but a lot of the times it's like, no, you know, they've got an idea. They need you to help execute it and make it real for them but they don't have the skill set to do it themselves so they are hoping you're going to be like a filter a conduit for that visual sense so yeah so being able to understand their needs is number one for sure yeah it's definitely like it's key it's essential mm-hmm. and so what, what would you say then like um thinking about some projects broadly that you've worked mm-hmm. on what do you think mm-hmm. has challenged not just challenged you, but has been most uh, the most fulfilling project mm. like that you've worked on um, since you've kind of broken out on your own and started this uh, business with your boyfriend. Right. Um, I would say like one of our longest kind of running relationships is with a local brewery um, called Lupolo here in Vancouver. And what's nice about them is like they were one of our early clients, but we've had an ongoing relationship with them because they're constantly putting out new beers. And so we get to make new labels for them. And that's mostly handled by um, Chris, my partner. Um, But then we also work, you know, on their website and like help their staff. We're helping their staff right now learn some web skills and things so that they can like be more hands-on with their work and stuff as well. So there's like always a bit of like an education component um, with clients because, you know, you can build a website for them, but they might want to maintain it themselves and stuff like that. So I do enjoy being able to kind of empower people to do more than they think they can. Um, and that's kind of one of those cases that that applies to. Um, Definitely. And then there's like lots of work that we do that is maybe not super flashy 
more like nonprofit stuff, which is definitely satisfying, you know, working with nonprofits. Um, right, right. Yeah, because they had, don't have the funds always, right? Yeah. And, you know, those are, we're, we're allowed to in this, that position to help uh, like organizations that we believe in. Like I helped the Black Lives Matter Vancouver um, chapter get their, a new website up like right after all of the uprising began because their old website just wasn't what they needed for the amount of flow of people that were right, coming all of a sudden. that the, they were getting, yeah. Yeah, and they just needed like a quick refresh. So it's like something I was able to do in like 48 hours and just like get it done, you know? And um, we work with some people around drug policy, which I think is a really important issue um, that we have in Canada, like decriminalization of drugs so that we're mm-hmm. not like, yeah, so there's a whole social, it's a whole another discussion, but that's like something that we um, work with. That's really awesome. And it's mm-hmm. what I what I find most interesting is not just about your giving back, but that your work spans so many different industries. So like mm-hmm. having known you for a little while, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that you focused strictly on food. But I, I think what you're showing is that like you you may have some of your business in food and, and you like that's that's a passion of yours, but it's great that your skills go way past that into all these other endeavors and organizations. So in diving a little deeper, you know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you did some work for Black Lives Matter. And I know Mm -hmm. like one of your platforms, one that I participated in actually is centering on Black food bloggers um, Mm -hmm. and creating not just a platform for them, but also a space. And you do that through Facebook. um, You did it through the Black food bloggers retreat um, and you've done it through many other things as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how that came to life for you, like from idea to fruition and, you know, um, what, what that means to you. Yeah. Um, I started the Black Food Bloggers Club as a Facebook group um, because I was in a lot of Facebook groups at the time and that were just kind of mixed blogger groups. It was like definitely very early on in my blogging when I started getting into these Facebook groups. And they're just kind of, for those who don't know, there's just a lot of groups on Facebook where, you you know, people will either share their blog content or promote each other and things like that. There's just all kinds of different like break off groups. But um, I just you know, started to feel like, wait, wait a minute, why am I always like the only black person in the room? Like I'm used to that because mm-hmm. of up in, in, in the Pacific Northwest, Canada, right? Um, even like in my own family, like, you know, my mom is white. So like I grew up always just kind of the lone <laughs> black person around. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, like I was like, well, I just kind of like to meet you know, it was kind of selfish. I was like, I'd like to see and meet other black food bloggers and just gives me an opportunity to connect more with other black people who have similar interests with as I do. And I also felt like I had something to offer as far as just advice and, you know, like a little bit of mentorship. I'm, you know, I'm 41 now. So I'm like, not a spring chicken, (laughs) as they say, you know, I'm starting to get to that phase where I'm like, oh, now I actually have some wisdom and some thoughts and some things that I can share. Right. I understand. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start this group. Um, I just started recruiting. Like I would like search for bloggers on Instagram, on 
Facebook, on just Google searching, just looking for the black people, right? And just saying, <laughs> hey, I'm just starting this group. Like, I didn't really have like a mission with it other than let's get in a room and let's have a place where we can just kind of talk about blogging stuff. And is now I think at like 800 something members yeah there's a lot of like us, that you know? <laughs> I, I mean there's there's a lot of us and I think you know for me belonging to the group and having belonged mm-hmm. to the group for for quite some time um seeing it like really come alive recently has mm-hmm. been been amazing um rightfully so but like I think a lot of people are noticing and paying attention to, I'm going to say black talent um, mm-hmm. across a number of industries. Uh, but I think that like a forum, you know, you create it just because you wanted to see other black people in the industry mm-hmm. uh, has now become like, we have a solid place where we can actually come to, to talk about issues we're experiencing and um, Absolutely. solutions and support. Like that's the biggest thing there. Yeah. I just like a place where everybody could just like put out their bat signal if they need help with something or if they want to warn people about something that's going on or get advice on something. It's just so nice to be able to feel like you have like a um, a center that you can come to. I kind of wish it wasn't on Facebook. I'm going to be completely honest. Like I have huge issues mm-hmm. with the direction that Facebook is, is going. Speaking, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but I understand you got to go where the people are. And so the group is there because people were just on Facebook. Um, but that's part of the reason now that I've built quickly, I built up um, the, we love black food bloggers, dot com website and the reason i did that was because i wanted to because the because the facebook group is really only for black food bloggers like i don't let anybody else in it's not just a place for looky loos it's like specifically for those who either are black food bloggers or would like to are thinking about blogging um and so i wanted to create a place where people from kind of the outside of the group could still find the talent, you know, because sometimes I'll get emails from people who are like, oh, can I join your group because I'm looking for, we're casting this thing or I'm looking Mm -hmm. for a blogger to represent this product. And, you know, I didn't want to like let people into the group infiltrate that way. Because that can cause issues too. You sure can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, kind of the next phase um, is the the website, which I built with um, a directory that Um, the black food bloggers can opt into, they can join, they can fill out their own bio and profile. And then it's um, something that people can come and search and find their social media channels and things like that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And and obviously, you know, I submitted to, to the directory. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it is really nice to go on. Like, you know, when I remember when I submitted um, that I saw a lot of people submitting, um, you know, yeah. people trying to get their name out there. And, and you know, that's really important. Um, one of the things that I know that, you know, we touched on briefly, but, you know, we didn't really get into is mm-hmm. I think that people don't always recognize how systemic racism is mm-hmm. and how it, you know, penetrates every single industry that you can think about. Um, and what would you say? I know what I've experienced, but um, you having talked to mm-hmm. many, many Black food bloggers, what would you say are some of those barriers that we face in terms of representation? Right. Um, 
I think one of the biggest things that happens is like there's like a tokenism or like a there can only be one, you know, um, attitude that a lot of mm-hmm. um, organizations or brands have. So they'll like, you know, there's maybe like a handful of black food bloggers that get all the attention and not that it's not deserved because there's they're super talented, right. but it's like, you know, companies or like conferences and things. They'll be like, Oh, well we have one. <laughs> we don't, you know, how many black people can we put on a panel? Like right. it's like, right. the, you know, there's like limits and like the tokenism um, is definitely um, problematic. Also, just like the defaultness of whiteness in food media, you know, it's always white hands in, you know, all the videos with food, you know, like the faceless food videos. It's like, you know, the default is whiteness. So that's a good, um, I've never heard that term, but that's a a very good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of like uh, unfortunate because like there was a point, I mean, it's kind of changed a bit now, but there was a point where, everybody was like hyping video food video had to be the thing. Like if you were a food blogger who wasn't doing food video, you know, you you didn't stand a chance and companies were like looking for videos in their like sponsored content stuff. But like, Mm. you know, they want one that's going to like look like it's going to appeal to the widest variety of people. And of course that means white hands. Right. So if you were a black food blogger with black (laughs) hands, like, you know, that could be a problem, you know, unless they were only going for a specific market but you come up against with these things that seem like they shouldn't be like a big deal but like systemically they are so yeah i think the tokenism and the that like defaultness (laughs) yeah default and like yeah scarcity it it happens because there there are um you know as evidenced by the group and and people signing up for the directly there are a lot of us um Mm -hmm. who are extremely talented Mm -hmm. um and i think that people uh often companies um and even just people interested who in showcasing their product don't really don't always realize the strength of like the black community um, or right. our spending power or right. or the power that it is that there can be in showcasing our talent and our gifts. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, like in 2020 um, mm-hmm. that, that that's happening, but um, it, it is, it's systemic. It's like systemic racism. Like it, it's so ingrained in the system that I don't know that they can even think differently. Yeah. And even just like the assumptions of what a, a black person is going to bring to the table, like, you know, I like, I'm Canadian, like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be an expert on Southern cooking or, you know, like these are the, right. the stereotypes that right. people expect, <laughs> which is fine if that's, you know, if that's your jam and that's what you do. But like, you know, there are black people all over the world with different perspectives on and different (laughs) cuisines and different styles of cooking and different approaches and um, familiarity with different ingredients. And so to, you know, often get pigeonholed because of the color of your skin, even though your culinary like culture may be different than, you know, exactly Uh, anybody else right so i think that that becomes another problem too is like okay you may get opportunities but you they'll like want you to kind of fall into a box that they've kind of assumed about you just based on 
your appearance. Right. And, and, and uh, what you, and what yeah. you look like. Um, they, yeah. they, they almost define what you can offer before you have a chance to like say what you yes. can offer, you know? Exactly. Um, or you get like, oh, we'll, we'll call you when it's like Kwanzaa. Or, exactly. you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <"Hey." laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll call you when it's Kwanzaa and it's Black History Month or it's like, yeah. you know, MLK's <laughs> birthday. Like this is when we want to really focus on that type of audience. And that's really problematic. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so it's not funny, but like, you know, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. It's just it's for like, sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's our strength is that we can do that. It's our strength. So, mm-hmm. uh, thinking about that and as you're thinking about the future of uh, we love black food bloggers and then even just the work that you're doing personally with your business like what are your plans and um, what what do you hope to accomplish and and how do you and the third piece of this uh, Mm -hmm. how do you hope to like infuse the greater industry uh, with uh, more representation of us Good questions. Um, I think that my plans with the group and with the um, website itself is just like more amplification of the talent that exists um, and finding ways to do that um, creatively. So I've got some ideas. I'm not going to give them away now, but um, right, I right. think no, that's a that's big fair. thing is like um, – <laughs> Yeah, just find, finding ways to connect the people in the group to viewers and um, businesses. That's kind of the big piece. And the other thing that I am interested in also with the group is doing another retreat at some point. It's hard to start thinking about that stuff in the world of COVID, right? Now. right? <laughs> yeah, because everything is just locked down. I mean, our borders are closed here, so... I don't even, I don't think you could even leave Canada or nobody can come to Canada <laughs> right now. Um, right, right. At, I, at least yeah. not from the States. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, um, the in-person element, I think, is really important. Um, I like the online world and I'm really comfortable in the digital world, but um, the more we get entrenched in this digital world, the more important I think it is for us to have opportunities to meet in person and celebrate together, learn together, share together, build memories together, connections. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's, there's like a real magic that happens after you've met people in real life and then the work that you can continue to do together later um, that's been sparked by these like in-person connections. So that's like something that is a big hope for me that when things open up, Start the world to, opens to up again and open up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That we can rethink. And, and I'm hoping now because of the awareness that has been raised um, in the last little while that I'll be able to get sponsors and people, a bit more people involved to make it a bigger event than we have. table topics and jasmine table topics are a part of my show where the guest gets to bestow some knowledge on my listeners 
in one of their areas of expertise. And sure. we talked, you know, a little bit about the Black Food Bloggers Retreat, where you provided a wealth of knowledge to me and many other food bloggers on different aspects of building our food blogs and our business in this, like, you know, industry. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest takeaways for me from that retreat was how to pitch yourself. And you provided a lot of great advice around that, you know, based on your multitude of experiences from acting to consulting. So right. I'm wondering if you could provide us with, you know, three to five tips that uh, you have found helpful uh, when pitching any, you know, really anything when, when okay. you know, you're preparing to pitch uh, yourself in the food industry and beyond. Sure. Um, Okay. So I think the thing that makes you attractive as as a blogger or even just as a business owner is that you can make yourself really useful to people. And in order for people to know what you are kind of good for, known for, you have to kind of um, find ways to let people know what your skill set is even before they've hired you. So, um, Usually with food bloggers, you know, you're posting your recipes and you're kind of hoping like that's going to be enough to get the attention. But there's so much more that you can do to build interest in you and kind of round out your brand. So it's it's a bit about kind of personal branding. So like my recommendation is like before you start pitching yourself, you really spend some time thinking about who you're trying to reach, you know, what the basic demographic is. Um, and what problem they have that you can solve. So I like to give Mm. an example of like, if you um, were a gluten-free blogger or something like that, or you had a company that sold gluten-free products, um, your audience might be interested in learning from you some skills, like how to do gluten-free baking, how to... um, you know, the science of gluten allergies, like there's all kinds of topics that you could dig into. So once you kind of know what you would talk about as a blogger, what your skill set is, like maybe you're just really good at food photography or something like that, or maybe um, you're an excellent baker, like you want to teach people how to make beautiful cakes or things like that. Once you kind of know what your skills are, you have to think about the ways that you're going to distribute that information. And the distribution of that information is really kind of the pitch. And you can kind of choose your distribution method based on your skill set because, you know, some people are really good on camera. You know, maybe you're a person who is comfortable being in front of the camera. Other people um, are better writers and that's like more what they're into. So you kind of have to learn what you're comfortable with. Push yourself sometimes because sometimes I think people are scared to be on camera because they think they (laughs) don't look like Beyonce or they have a weird voice or they, their kitchen is crappy or, you know, like you got to get over those things. Yeah. (laughs) try but then once you kind of have an idea like there's a lot of different ways that you can like pitch yourself with things like you can start Facebook groups for instance you know like say you're like a baker and you're you could start a group a Facebook group around baking where you could troubleshoot help people troubleshoot their problems you could do live demos Um, you can do um, in-store demos like maybe you're a person who does better if you're just like one-on-one you know, so maybe you like talk to local businesses and say, Hey, I want to like do a demo, um, on how to like make this dessert. And then talk to people, hand out cards. You can write eBooks. You can, um, you know, create an online course. You can create email courses. You can do a podcast. Um, 
you know, uh, you could do your newsletter. Uh, you can um, do guest posting on other people's blogs to establish yourself kind of as an mm. expert. You can do lunch and learns. Like once people are accepting people into their businesses again, you can go to different businesses and teach or give like a demo, things like that. Because a lot of um, HR departments are often looking for in, uh, enrichment activities. Ways to enrich people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's just like so many different ways that you can actually like get your, you showcase your skill set and teach people or give people information that's going to be helpful for them, which is going to build loyalty to you. And then they're going to come back to you when the time comes to, you know, make a, either they going to trust your recipes if you're a blogger right. <laughs> or they're going to come to you for, um, when they need help with their business. Um, yeah. And so like, I think like just that's the thing, identifying who your clients are or who your audience is, understanding what your skill set is, the, the, where you shine, and then finding ways to um, directly connect with those communities um, using that skill set. Yes. And I will say that I, you know, having been through your teachings before, mm -hmm. I have put some of those things into action. And that's how the podcast was birthed, you know, wanted to that's amazing. educate people on um, what other black and brown folks in the food and beverage industry are doing. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a full circle moment for me because like, oh, I, get that's to, so cool. I get to tell you, I get to tell you that. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. If my listeners want to get to know a little more about you, mm -hmm. as well as like, you know, the platforms that you've created for Black food bloggers, where can they find you? How can they follow you? Sure. So if you want to check out Black Food Bloggers, you can go on Instagram is a good start. The um, Black Food Bloggers on Instagram, that's just at Black Food Bloggers. On that Instagram, there's also a link to the website, which is uh, We Love Black Food Bloggers. And that's the place that you can go and see the directory. So that is great for discovering the talent that is in the community. If you are a Black Food Blogger yourself, and you want to join the Facebook group, you can just search for Black Food Bloggers Club on Facebook groups, and you will be asked to just fill out a little application and uh, I will approve it. And then just for me personally, if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram as Jasmine Lukuku, at Jasmine Lukuku, and also on Twitter, at Jasmine Lukuku, so. You have a great name, yeah. so, it's, so it's easy, and, and all <laughs> these will be yeah. included in the show notes, so. so okay, awesome. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> 